Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. Got a comment? Email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Cast your vote for the show on Podcast Alley, podcastalley.greatdetectives.net, and become a fan on Facebook, facebook.greatdetectives.net. Well, I have a few things to discuss. I'm not going to way down the start of the program, but uh, be sure to listen after. Uh, I realized that yesterday when I announced... Uh, the shows we were going to be doing on Tuesday. I stopped after I told you about uh, the Candy Matson versus Mural Wolf contest we're going to uh, have coming up in September. But uh, even with even with Father Brown and that show, we still won't be all the way through the 2010-11 season. So I'll let you know about the other shows we have coming up. Also, um, I've got an announcement of a change to the way we're uh, doing our premium side. I think... Uh, most people will find it good news. I can't think of anybody who would find it otherwise. Uh, but listen to that. Uh, before we do get started, I want to let you know uh, about our sponsors. Imagine not having to travel and being able to meet with anyone you need to anywhere in the world, whether it's a client or a business partner or a friend or someone you're mentoring. This is the promise of GoToMeeting, a safe and secure service that allows you to hold unlimited meetings over the web and over a voice. Listeners to the great detectives of old time radio can try it out. Take it for a test drive. See if it will help you. Go to gotomeeting.com slash podcast. That's gotomeeting.com slash podcast and start your free trial today. Now we're going to get into today's episode of Let George Do It. Mayhem by Experts. Standard of California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invites you to Let George Do It. Mayhem by Experts, another adventure of George Valentine. Personal notice, danger's my stock and trade. If you're coming up for the third time and need somebody's help, call on me, George Valentine. Write full details. Mr. Valentine, I know the exact time of your morning mail. I've checked on that. You'll have a very short time to get to me and keep me from being murdered. Believe me, I have very good reason to be terrified. I can't think of anyone else to help me. Anyone else to help me, and I'll do my best to make it worth your while. Be sure to come alone, otherwise there's nothing you can do for me. And it's signed Mad Damon. Uh-huh. Well, we've gotten a few cockeyed letters, Brooksy, but this one belongs in a showcase. we got a deadline, no less. But suppose the mailman decided to stop off at the drugstore for a cup of coffee? Well, this man seems to have unwavering faith in our postal service. Here, let me see that letter. 426 Duane Street. George, that's a full half hour's drive from here. If you make every light. Sit tight, Angel. I'm going to find out what this is all about. Abrams, 3C, Murphy, 2D. Well, here we are, Damon. Uh, come on, come on, lady, answer, will you? Uh, no use trying the hall phone, mister. What? Ain't been working for years. 
Being a janitor, I ought to know. Maybe I ought to think about fixing it one of these days. Yeah, well, don't work too hard, Buster. I want to get to 4C. Where's the elevator? Uh, over there. Uh, but I uh, may as well warn you, young fella, can't work in. Huh? Another thing I ought to get around to fixing one of these days. Okay, I'll walk. I'm in a hurry. Uh, something fierce the way work piles up on a man's back. <sighs> Careful, Mr. Wet Floor. Oh. And watch out for the pail. Oh, I'm sorry to step over you, Mother. Which way is 4C? Oh, Miss Damon, uh, hide down a few doors. But it ain't going to do you any good. She just left. What's that? Just left. Bags and all. There was a dark, tough-looking fella going out with her. She, uh, she didn't happen to mention where she was going, did she? Oh, look out, mister. You don't get slopped with the mob. Oh, okay, mother, okay. But I asked you a question, remember? Well, come to think of it, it do happen to remember. She said she was going to Union Station. She looked mighty like she was crying. Well, tell, tell me something else. What does this Miss Damon look like? What's she wearing? Oh, she's blonde, in a dark sort of way. A uh, short, but not one of them real short kind, mind you. She's, oh, um... Oh, great, great. Well, uh, she was wearing one of them big floppy hats. Oh, she can get away with them, too, because, like I said, she's short, but not too short. Yeah, well, she... thanks. Thanks very much. Now I can pick her right out of a crowd. Miss Brooks, this is wonderful, wonderful. Valentine called you from the Union Station, huh? Oh, brother, that means he didn't catch why. If you'll stop splitting your sides for a minute, Lieutenant Riley, I'd like to know what this is all about. <laughs> well, there's no such woman as Madge Damon. I dictated that letter to my secretary. You certainly can be funny. <laughs> sure. What's so brilliant about a stunt like that? <laughs> well, he... He didn't even recognize Sergeant Williams dressed up as a janitor or policewoman Ferris scrubbing the floors. And I, I know he's seen them both around headquarters at least a dozen times. Oh, brother. Oh, that's your big sleuth for you. All right, you're a jester and your life is complete. Why don't you give me a hot foot? I won't look. Oh, look, look, you don't get it. All this was merely incidental. I had to get Valentine out of the office this morning. Oh, but wait, honey, wait till you hear my real payoff. Oh, I'm sure it's going to slay me. <laughs> All right, Miss Brooks, what day is it? Day? Well, it's Monday. I knew it. I knew it. You forgot. You forgot just as he did. Forgot what? It's Valentine's birthday. I checked on it just to make sure. Oh, no. Oh, it can't be. Oh, I've got to get out of here and get him a present. Where's my coat? Relax, honey. Relax, relax. This time, it's yours truly who's giving Valentine a present. Yeah, how sweet. Yes, sir. Look here. Here in this box. A birthday cake. Yes, sir. And in just a few minutes... Five, five top-notch mystery writers, all big shots in the field, are going to be here to attend Valentine's surprise birthday party. Mystery writers? Lieutenant, you sound like you're running a fever. Ah, no, no, no. I've done them favors in the past, and they're just dying to come along for the fun. Mm, after what you did this morning, I'm suspicious of what you consider fun. Ah, oh, come on now. Come on, where's your sense of humor? Look, we're going to st uh, stage a phony murder, see? With you as a victim. And I'm betting Valentine is going to fall for it, hook, line, and sink it. Pardon me while I laugh. Yes, sir. <laughs> Look, you see, I'm going to examine the supposed victim and announce that he's dead. 
And I could just see Valentine going into action without even checking, without even bothering to find out if there's really been a crime. And in front of all those writers, too. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm not going to let you do <laughs> What? Oh, now, come on. Come on, be reasonable. Valentine's put me on a few spots where I didn't look too bright. I need this for my morale. I'll tell you what. I'll make you a bet. What kind of a bet? Well, uh, a hat for you if I lose and a box of cigars for me if I win. All right. Okay, Lieutenant, you're on. Okay. Ha-ha! <laughs> now we got work to do. Miss Brooks, I want you to meet Steve Barry. He writes all those hard-boiled detective novels about Dan Flint, Private Eye. You mean... You write those books about Dan Flynn? Young lady, one doesn't have to look like a thug to understand the psychology of a tough, two-fisted character. And this, this is Cornelia Wollaston, who writes such wonderful, blood-curdling horror stories. <laughs> yes, you should see some of the people I meet in my nightmares. Gruesome. <laughs> when did the festivities begin, Lieutenant? Well, Valentine is still probably wandering around Union Station, so let's get on with the introductions. Huh? This is Ben Forrester, Miss Brooks. He's of the uh, deductive school. He's here to play corpse today. <laughs> I'll make the liveliest one you ever saw. Don't you think so, Miss Brooks? In your profession, you should at least know what a corpse looks like. This is Sigmund Greenmetz. He specializes in uh, scientific crime. Why, he spends more time in our police lab than we do. Uh, thank you, Lieutenant. I admit the thoroughness, even though some of my colleagues don't. Nothing like being thorough about mayhem. And this is, finally, young Mr. Copeland, who believes that every crime has a psychological basis. And that's the way it will always be, as long as crimes are committed by human beings. I don't mind suspense, Lieutenant, but I happen to have a dinner party. Yes, uh, where is Mr. Valentine? Well, uh, he'll be along any minute now, Barry. Well, now, look here, Green Metz. You, uh, you know what you have to do. Yes, I understand it. I pull down the window blinds to darken the office uh, like this. Uh, then uh, I turn on the light. Light? Then when Mr. Valentine begins to light the candles on his birthday cake, I flip the lights off. And with a pathetic stifled scream, I crumple to the floor. Oh, dear. Murder can be so repetitious, even when you state it. Uh, just uh, one minute and one more thing, Greenmetz. I beg your pardon, Mr. Foster. Uh, don't poison Valentine's cake with one of those exotic venoms you always fall back on in those incredibly dull stories of yours. I, I may seem a little out of date to a successful best-selling writer like you, but at least I use careful research. I'm not a fraudulent writer. Gentlemen, uh, remember, this is supposed to be a party. Yeah. Cut it out, Greenmetz. I don't like people to laugh at my work. If you go through the annals of crime, you'll discover that poison has been used more often. Shh, uh, quiet. Well, quiet, everybody. I think I just heard Valentine come in the outside office. I still think I'm going to win that hat. Brooksy. You know that letter I got this morning? Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Well, did you find Madge Damon? <laughs> hey, Brooksy, what is this? Who are all these people? Well, they're guests, darling. Your birthday guests. What? As a matter of fact, they're all well-known mystery writers. Oh, <laughs> old boy. Well, never mind. Never mind, pal. You'll get to know them all later. But tell me something. Tell me, uh, what about the janitor and the scrub woman? Ah. Oh. 
Didn't you recognize Williams and Mrs. Ferris, huh? Uh-uh, Lieutenant, I got to hand it to you. You had me coming and going. <laughs> no hard feelings, huh? <laughs> Look here. Look, I provided a cake and some refreshments, so come on, let's celebrate. Okay, I'm just in the mood. Go on, George, light the cake. Off with the lights, Green Met. Uh, very well. Oh, this is nice and cozy. Oh, say, I don't even have a match. Here, use my lighter. That's the idea, Miss Williston. Hurry up, Valentine. No, you don't. Get away from me. Oh, oh what was that? Huh? What happened? It sounded like Forrester. What's going on here? Hey, you, Green Mets, get those lights yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forrester! Well, what's the matter with him? Why is he lying there like that? Don't stand there, Barry. Help him up. Somebody better get a doctor. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't touch him. Let me have a look at him. Oh. We'd better get the coroner. What? This man's dead. Hmm? Lying on his face with a dagger in his chest. Dead? What are you talking Who about? Who wanted to kill Who are you saying, Lieutenant? Well, what's the matter, Valentine? Aren't you interested? This happened in your office. Oh, I'm quivering like a leaf. I think the only thing that'll calm me down is a piece of cake. What? <laughs> Tell you stooge to get up, Lieutenant. This whole setup is as crooked as a worm and an apple. Oh, darling, I love you. Oh, <laughs> I get a little <laughs> laid plans of mice and men. Your little joke didn't work, Lieutenant. You were too smart for it. Yeah, yeah, when I get taken for a ride in the morning, I try to smarten up come afternoon. <laughs> well, don't be such a ham, Forrester. Get up. <laughs> he always did like holding the center of the stage. <laughs> well, maybe I can shake him out of it. Hey, wait a minute. Huh? You're not trying to put anything over on me. I'm not kidding. There's no dagger in Forrest's chest. Of course there isn't. Just the same he's been killed. Wow. What are you Please, talking George, about? one practical joke is enough. This is no joke, Brooksy. Right now, Mr. Forrester is very much dead. Turn to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Meanwhile, let's all go back to school for a minute. Read and write and arithmetic? No, sir. A lesson in motor oil from Mrs. Virgie F. Cotner, who teaches school in Phoenix, Arizona. And here's her statement. Quote, Why, it's just plain logic that a clean engine will run better and longer than a dirty engine. And that's why I prefer RPM to any other motor oil. I know it's cleaning my car's motor while it's lubricating it. Unquote. And folks, that's a lesson worth remembering. For RPM motor oil not only keeps your engine cleaner, it guards against internal rust, fights off corrosion and lacquer. It protects hot spots left bare and exposed to wear by ordinary motor oils. And is there plus and minus about RPM? Yes, the plus is longer mileage, longer engine life, and the minus is fewer repair bills. So, to give your car and your pocketbook a break, get an oil drain and refill with RPM motor oil. Get it at independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations where they say and mean we take better care of your car. You find yourself the victim of a very elaborate and phony birthday joke planned by, of all people, Lieutenant Riley. It might have been fun, except that the man who was supposed to play dead really died, and right in your office, and in front of four top-notch mystery writers. 
You know, one of the four had to murder him. You might call it mayhem by experts. In fact, that's what we do call it. Uh, Valentine, why, why do these things happen to me? Well, I don't feel too good either. Like a, like an accessory after the fact or something. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen, both of you. Don't let your conscience bother you too much. Forrester's murder was carefully planned. Yes, if it didn't happen back there in my office, it would have happened somewhere else. Well, at least we're pretty sure who did it. Somehow I still can't believe it was Green Net. He just doesn't seem to be the type. Yeah, Angel, I second the motion. But the facts are sure stacked up against him. I tell you, you could have knocked me over with a feather when the coroner said Forrester was poisoned. Jabbed with a hypodermic needle. And then, then to find the needle in Green Net's pocket. Green Net said he didn't know how it got there. And with everybody milling around in the dark, anybody could have put it there. Well, he admitted that Forrester had been needling him for months. Telling him all he's been doing for 20 years is rehashing Sherlock Holmes. Oh, it's just a little too pat, Lieutenant. But I certainly don't have any other answer. Well, I'm holding Green Metz on suspicion of murder. And I think he's going to turn out to be our man. Could be, Lieutenant. Could be. Hey, Brooksy, we never did get to celebrate my natal day. Suppose we spend it on a treasure hunt. See if you can find the light switch, Angel. Okay. Well, late Mr. Forrester, Forrester's apartment has all the standard equipment, including copies of Esquire. Hold it. Huh? I crack a light under the door to the other room. I'd have to be blind not to see it. Who could it be? That's what we're going to find out. Yeah, somebody's there looking for something he's got to have. He's not missing a trick. George... The light just went out. Uh-huh. That's when I go in. Stay where you are, Brooksy. Okay, but I don't have to like it. Okay, Buster, I can't see you, but I know you're in there. Come on, make with the vocal cords. All right. All right, suit yourself. You're either going to have to jump out of that window or try to get past me. Making up your mind? Well, I don't think you're going to jump, friend, so just stay put while I find the switch and we'll... No, it's not going to be the window, friend. Like I was baking a cake and stuck my head too far into the oven. Oh, George, what did I do? Oh, what did you do? Oh, don't tell me you put this dead in my skull. No, I... I hit him. Huh? Yeah. That gentleman lying face down over there by the couch. <laughs> oh, you handled yourself right well, Angel. Well, he hit you. There wasn't anything I could do except take my shoe off and hit him back. Golly, I hope I didn't hit him too hard. Well, we'll just see. Let's turn it over. Well, surprise. Yeah, a big surprise. It's Barry. Steve Barry. Come on, Barry. You realize your story sounds as phony as a dime store engagement ring. I know. It's the truth, Valentine. I've heard of people doing things for publicity, but not anything like this. Now, please, try to understand my position. There I was in your office, Valentine, at that party, the scene of the murder. Uh 
Well, now, what would my readers think if I, Dan Flynn's literary father, wasn't able to solve it? Oh, I can just hear the whole nation going... Just what were you looking for here in Forrester's apartment? I, I don't know. Just like you, any little clue that might prove whether it was or wasn't Green Mets, who did it? Ah, uh-huh. just any little old clue. Yes. If I could find the murder, the sale to my new book might run into millions. You know, it's just possible somebody might think you killed Forrester, and we're here trying to destroy evidence. Hey, what about that, Barry? Me? Kill somebody? Me? Why, why, I can't even stand the sight of blood. It, it makes me faint. The story is my public expects from me. All that violence. Well, you, you just have no idea what a strain it is on me. Well, Greenlatz has his story and you have yours. But I've told you, I, I, I'm telling the truth and you've got to believe me. Well, I'll be able to tell you better about that later. Now go home, Barry. Put a cold compress in your head. And you, Angel, will you join me? Where now? Believe it or not, the public library. To read some mysteries. <laughs> George, it's getting late. Can't expect to read all those mystery books tonight. What are you looking for, anyway? Huh? What's this? I know the butler did it. Oh, this might be what we're looking for. Yeah, Brooksy, here are the books by Cornelia Williston and Young Copeland. You know what I found in them? Words. And more words. Yeah. Also, one particular phrase that keeps bobbing up in both. Let me guess. Don't touch anything till the police get here. No, no, no. In the translucent twilight. Um, would you mind repeating that? In the translucent twilight. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. I just wanted to be sure. Now, why should a lush phrase like that keep popping up in the books both of them wrote? So they steal from each other. Hmm. One more intriguing little fact. Cornelia Wollaston's most successful book, The Twisted Claw, was dedicated to B.G. See? Right here in the front suite. The B.G., a kindred spirit with undying love. B.G.? Look at that brittle Miss Wilson. You'd never think she'd go in for baby time. A kindred spirit. And look at this book, the first one Forrester ever wrote. It wasn't signed Ben Forrester like all the later ones. It was signed B.G. Forrester. B.G. Hey, do you think... Maybe it's more than a coincidence, but I'm sending a telegram to Sweetwater, Oklahoma. Well, you know, darling, it's little streaks of logic like that that endear you to everybody. The book jacket on the twisted claw says Miss Williston was born in Sweetwater. A telegram of the local paper will bring us a lot of interesting details about Cornelia. And then? And then, I may want to pick up my birthday party where it was so violently interrupted. With the same list of guests. Except, of course, the late Mr. Forrester. Valentine, what's the reason for this clam break? Yes, just what have you got on your mind? Have you found something that will clear this man here? I'm coming to that, Lieutenant. Come right in, Miss Wollaston, Mr. Colton. What, another birthday party so soon? I just got your message, Lieutenant. I came right over. If you're here to tell me how much I despise Foster, you wouldn't be saying anything that's not true. He was obnoxious, arrogant. But I, I wouldn't go to the trouble of killing you. Take it easy, Greenmutz. Okay, Valentine, okay. What do you know that we, we should know? You better get started, Brooksy, before the good lieutenant blows a gasket. Oh, oh, yeah. 
Oh, goodbye, George, darling. I shall meet you in the translucent twilight. Translucent twilight? <laughs> oh, what's the matter, Miss Wollaston? Those words seem to have a special meaning for you. There's nothing more beautiful than a translucent twilight, is there? Say, what's going on here? What, what is... Wouldn't you say that was a purple phrase, Mr. Copeland? In the translucent twilight. I... I wouldn't know. You should, if you read your own books. Or if at least you read the ones somebody else wrote for you. What do you mean by that? Yeah, what is all this, huh? George, do you want all these fine detailed notes you made in the library? I don't think we'll need them, but see... I believe Miss Williston will admit she wrote all of Copeland's books as well as her own. Goodness! You can't mean what you're saying. Well, that can't be. The styles are too different. That's a lie, Valentine, and you know it. Ridiculous. That one phrase keeps recurring often in the books you two have written. But well, what about it? I told you all writers are crazy. Anyway, it could have been just a coincidence. Uh-uh, Lieutenant. Authors fall in love with certain phrases and use them over and over again without even realizing it. They become just as much a part of them, just as revealing as their fingerprints. Come to think of it, you're right, Valentine, you're right. I keep finding my Dan Flynn saying over and over again, I'm going to slam you senseless, sweetheart. That's absolutely true, yeah. I find myself doing the same thing. But, Mr. Valentine, I failed to Miss Williston, I received a little information from Sweetwater, Oklahoma. Is that supposed to terrify me? You wrote Copeland's books, and for a very good reason. He happens to be your son. What? What's that? What? Has it pride that forced you to make a successful writer for your son, Cornelius? Son? But it's Miss Wollaston. Miss! Uh, take it easy, Dad. No, there was a Mr. Wollaston at one time. Okay, why don't you admit it, Cornelia? You're a widow. It's all here in this telegram. All right. What if I am? You can stop it now, Valentine. Yes, Cornelia is my mother. She wanted to help me in my career. That's nobody else's business. Okay, okay, okay. So this is going to make headlines in the Saturday Review of Literature. Now, what about it? Uh, uh, go on, please, Mr. Fallon. Mrs. Williston, you had a very good reason to kill Forrester, didn't you? Why, I... I hardly knew him. Except professionally. He was just another writer. Oh, I see. And is that why you dedicated the Twisted Claw to B.G.? And I quote... With undying love. Forrester's middle initial was G. G for Gerald. And he was the kind of man who had other women call him B.G. And with the same undying love. You're right about that, Valentine. Forrester was always bragging about his success with the fair sex. The truth is, I once told him to his very face that he was a cad. Keep going, Valentine. Let's get to the end of this. Don't you see, Lieutenant? When Forrester decided he was through with Cornelia, he held a whip hand. The threat to expose the hoax of young Ted Copeland, the promising new writer. I should never let you do it, Mother. So, Cornelia, you killed Forrester, and in a way that would place all the suspicion on Greenbats. Now, didn't you? Yes. That's exactly the way it happened. Uh, thank you, Mr. Valentine. Believe me, Mrs. Bolliston, I'm very sorry. Of course you know you're lying, Cornelia. What's this? And I have an idea that I won't be the one to prove that. Wait a minute. Are you trying to say she didn't kill Forrester? She just said so herself. Thank you for being a practical man, Lieutenant. No. No, this is one time I'm going to stand on my own two feet, Mother. Ted, keep quiet. I killed Forrester. Just as Valentine described it. But he had it coming to him for such a long, long time. What are you doing, Ted? You have your whole life to tell you. It's no use, Cornelia. I'm sorry I had to do it the way I did, but I had a feeling he'd tell the truth if he saw the guilt being placed on you. I knew how much you loved him, Mother. I saw he threw you over. All I could do was stand by. Oh, Ted. 
The scandal about the book that was going to ruin not only me, but you. That's why I killed him. See, Brooksy, Green Max would never in a million years think of poisoning anybody when he knows he's an authority in the field. And you figured it had to be either Cornelia or Ted. But what made you decide it was the sun? <laughs> Why, Angel, don't you remember? When I was lighting the birthday cake, Cornelia handed me the lighter. She was standing right next to me, yards away from Forrester. Well, you can keep your genius badge, mister. Easy, Brooksy. Oh. What are you trying to do, trip over yourself? Oh, no, it's just this darned heel that isn't there. Incidentally, my fine friend, I'm putting the cost of a new pair of shoes on the office expense account. Oh, shakedown, eh? No, girlish superstition. Never knock anybody unconscious twice with the same shoes. Lots of times in everyday motoring when you need extra go-ahead for your car, but fast. And the way to get that speedy pickup is to get Chevron Supreme gasoline, the gasoline that puts command performance in your car. Thanks to special blending agents, this high-octane fuel gives your car command performance under every road condition. It commands fast starts, commands smooth acceleration, commands the extra power that makes your car great on hills. And no matter where you drive in the West... With Chevron Supreme, you can be sure of command performance. For premium quality, Chevron Supreme is climate-tailored to each different altitude and temperature zone from Canada to Mexico in all the western states. For command performance in your car, get Chevron Supreme tomorrow. Get it at standard stations and independent Chevron gas stations where they say and mean we take better care of your car. week at this time, we pick up George Valentine on an out-of-town assignment, which begins on a train that's just pulling into Sharondale. Ain't you kind of cold out here on a platform, Jack? What? Oh. No, I'm getting off as soon as the train stops. You're getting off here, Jack. When me car things in your face with this broken bottle, I don't like the sight of blood. Hey, wait a minute. It's not going to be my blood. Bust. Get off! Does it get off! Hey! Happy landing, Jack! Stay out of Sharondale! Tonight's adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West. Let George Do It stars Robert Bailey as George with Francis Robinson as Brooksy. Wally Mayer appears as Lieutenant Riley. Tonight's story was written by David Victor and Herbert Little Jr. and directed by Don Clark. Also heard in the cast were Jeanette Nolan as Cornelia, Roland Morris as Copeland... Junius Matthews as Barry, Fred Howard as Forrester, Louis Van Ruten as Green Metz, and Ruth Parrott as the Scrub Woman. The music is composed and presented by Eddie Dunstetter, your announcer, John Heaston. 
Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Uh, Mutual actually had a radio series called Murder by Experts. Uh, This episode of Let George Do It aired in January, uh, and that series started in June. Uh, I don't believe they're connected at all in any way, because Murder by Experts was a a variety mystery series known for just taking from the very best writers. Uh, It may suggest that the connection is that the Mutual Network was in charge of naming all the shows. This is another great episode, and you know, uh, another time where I really have reached the conclusion that Claire Brooks is really the best uh, sidekick of any sort uh, on these uh, radio detective shows. Not only on the ones that we listen to here, but on some of the other ones that I uh, listen to as little extras during the week. And once again, just the writing of uh, Let George Do It is superb. And I just love this plot. Uh, and it really is only uh, possible because of the type of uh, relationship that George and uh, Lieutenant Riley have developed, uh, thanks to the fine acting of Wally Mayer as Lieutenant Riley. All right, well, before the show, I told you that I kind of left a little bit off. I got a little excited and uh, realized we were going along. We'll, we'll go ahead and just get said what we need to be said about uh, the rest of uh, the Tuesday shows for season two. Well, after Father Brown and after your choice of either Nero Wolf or Candy Matson, whichever our listeners choose, and if we choose Candy Matson because there are less episodes of that than there are Nero Wolf, we'll throw in one other series in between um, Candy Matson and the, the shows we're about to list, so we end up uh, right about on schedule. But after that, we're going to do The Adventures of Christopher London. Uh, not a, a widely known or widely uh, circulating show. Uh, there's only three episodes, so it's one of those short series I like to do. Uh, and this one may be one of the best uh, series out there where there are only a few episodes in existence. I just finished listening to the last of the three, and I, I was just like, wow, what a good series. I, the biggest mystery about it may be why it didn't make it further. Um, and then, after we do Christopher London, so three weeks of Christopher London, it'll be a series that many of you have requested, Rogue's Gallery. And if I don't uh, miscalculate, that should take us uh, all the way through the 2010-2011 season, maybe a little bit uh, beyond. But those are the rest of the shows that are coming up. Uh, now, on to the changes to the app uh, not the app, excuse me, but the extra site. Uh, you know, we started the extra site in regards to uh, folks who basically said, you know, I love the sound of all the extras you're talking about, uh, but here's the thing, uh, I don't have an iPhone so or an iPod Touch, so I can't use it. So I never started one of these before. I didn't know, you know, what would be involved, but I want to continue to do it. I, I did not want to do a... Uh, lifetime uh, membership without knowing what I was getting in for. So I, I basically set it up with three, six, and 12-month uh, subscriptions. Uh, and I would change the password at the start of each quarter uh, just to make sure that only those who are paid up remained on. 
Well, I've run it a while, and I found there's really no trouble in running the extra side. It runs really smoothly. My only problem runs into the fact of when I change the password. That's the most uh, aggravation. I've only changed it once, and I'll be honest, I don't want to change it again. Uh, and so what we're going to go ahead and do is those of you who have got, gotten a year's uh, membership, you've uh, given a tip of $7 or more, you are... Um, you are set for as long as we're offering the extra. And anybody else who wants to go ahead and sign up for it, uh, it's only seven dollars, and that's uh, and you have access to it as long as we continue to do it. We had two people who have uh, given uh, four dollars, and if they give three dollars, then they're set up for uh, an indefinite membership. And uh, we're not going to uh, change that uh, at all. So that's the way it's going to be uh, from here forward. Now that we have an idea of how it's going to work, there's uh, no expirations, uh, no time limits. You, uh, you give uh, $7 in your set, and that gives you access to uh, the extra shows we do for Great Detectives as well as for Old Time Dragnet. One of the uh, late um, ladies and who had a problem with this vowel actually emailed in and once we got her uh, fixed on the site she added some comments uh, uh, that she said I cleaned up the craft room and listened to six episodes on the premium list love the podcast love the extras uh, Adam Graham rocks your 200th uh, episode extra was very very good I like the hour long shows even more well thanks Val and I know we have several uh, hour specials uh, episodes of Lux Radio Theater and Mercury Theater on the air, and we have some half hours. I will give some thought whether we might do uh, double half hour specials um, at, at some point. That's an interesting idea, and we'd be able to mix a couple different ones in when we do uh, future extras where our main special idea is uh, only half an hour. But thanks for the comment, Val. We also have one comment off Podcast Alley. I continue to enjoy the shows, except for Sherlock Holmes, though that's just my taste and your relevant commentary. Well, thanks. And, yeah, tastes definitely do vary. Uh, but I decided to be in good taste to uh, read that comment today rather than tomorrow, because tomorrow is Sherlock Holmes. Thank you for your comment on Podcast Alley and for all your support, and I encourage everybody to vote once a month, podcastalley.greatdetectors.net. The Nero Wolf versus Candy Matson vote doesn't start until September 1st, and we'll have more details uh, in the days before we get into September on how you can vote for your favorite. Uh, but also remember, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and send all your comments into Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. About from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.